Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Welcome back for another episode, guys. Uh, just going to be me today. We have a lot to get to. Uh, Billy called in on the Bruins game two, so that's going to open up our Bruins segment. First, we're going to talk all about that game two, answer his uh, thought or question. Uh, you guys will see in a minute. Then we are going to um, talk about all of the Patriots draft picks and how I feel about them. And I'm going to give them an official draft grade on how they did this draft, a lot of trades and whatnot. Then we're going to talk about the Boston Red Sox, which we have not talked about them in a bit, and their stretch uh, ever since we left off. Uh, I guess how I've felt uh, ever since, starting to get back on track a little. But we'll talk about all about that uh, coming up. So first, um, we'll start with Billy's call. So let's take a listen. Yeah, Billy from Bill Ricca here. And I wanted to tell you, I hope that David Krejci doesn't play tonight. And I know that might sound a little odd, but I'll tell you why. You'll watch that first game. They were banging bodies. I want to see David Backus out there. I want to see him slamming people tonight. I think it's going to get chippy. You might see Marshmont licking some people's faces and give Krejci an extra couple of days to rest up. Let me know your thoughts. Billy out. All right. Thank you for the call, Billy. Um, now, I kind of have, I, I don't know, I think I think it's mixed emotions because I do agree. David Bathgate has to play tonight. I remember it was the same case scenario round one. You guys probably don't remember. Uh, maybe not all of you listened, or you probably just forget, because it's just a sh- little piece of one of my episodes a while back. But going into uh, Game 2 against the Toronto Maple Leafs um, last series, I remember the, it was a physical brand of hockey in Game 1. And I said going into Game 2, because Game 1, David Backus was a healthy scratch, and I said Game 2... They need to play Bacchus, and they did. They ended up winning the game, and he ended up being a, a key part. He was, you know, he's a very physical guy. Like, is David Bacchus old? Yes. He's basically, you know, he's kind of rusty. He's kind of old, but he still plays a physical brand of hockey. And I think, you know, does he deserve that contract he's getting? No, he doesn't. The guy doesn't even play some nights. But he brings leadership and he, not only that, he just brings that physical brand of hockey that you were just talking about. Now, for David Krejci, he's your second-line center. So, now, I don't think you can just stick um, – there's the thing, because I don't think you can just stick Bacchus on the fourth line and say he makes an impact. Because that fourth line is meant to be out there to take up a few minutes and be scrappy and whatnot, you know. But that's not what – I think Bacchus needs to be playing on the second or third line to really make an impact. Um so, Krejci out, actually, I, I, I kind of agree, but I kind of disagree just because you want to win game two. I mean, if he's if he's like, you know what, I think I could play, but then sit him. Uh, but if he feels like, you know what, I'm a little banged up, but I, I can play. And he, he skates and, you know, he's not 100%, but if he's like 85 90%, which I don't think he is. So, yeah, if he's only feeling 60% of himself or 50 then don't play him. Uh, if he doesn't feel, uh, you know, total of himself, have him sit, play, you know, later in the series. But for me, tonight, 
this game's going to come down to fatigue and how the Bruins play. I know the Blue Jackets are very well rested and are going to be hungry coming into game two. They're a good team. Uh, they've been winning, so they know how it feels to you know really win a series, and they know how now it feels to lose. And they're you know they're getting hot right now. They're going to be hungry coming into game two. They're more rested than you are. So how are you going to kind of respond to that? Uh, you know, how physical are they really going to play? Because I know the Blue Jackets are going to come out and play physical. And I know, like, Marshan will play physical and whatnot. But I think you need backers because this team, remember in that first period, they played really well. But later in the game, they started to get fatigued. They really did. Coyle really came through big for you. Uh, but they started to get fatigued um a very uh, much they just that's kind of why they collapsed in that game luckily Charlie Coyle came through obviously with those two goals at the end and you came back but the fatigue really killed them so I want to see you know how rested are they um is this one of those games where we kind of come out a little flat-footed or you know we, we got our day off and we'll be fine you know, I hope we're going to be fine, but I think fatigue might cost you a goal tonight. Uh, it cost you two the other day. So uh, my pick tonight, though, I got to go with the Bruins. I think the Blue Jackets will win one uh, in Columbus, maybe like game three. And then hopefully you can kind of win one of those on the road. I I'm not sure. I wouldn't be shocked if the Blue Jackets win, but uh, obviously. But I'm going to go with the Bruins tonight, I think. Um, I just like where the, the, the first game was. Uh, and Bruce Cassidy's a smart coach. I think he'll give those guys, he'll recognize there was a fatigue thing late in that game, and he'll give his guys a little bit more rest. And I think tonight they're going to come out hungry. And it's going to be a good game. Uh, I think tonight's score is going to be 4-2. to two. I'll go four to two. Bobrovsky's been good. Four to two, maybe like an empty net or something. Four to two is my final score. I don't usually make a final score, but I just thought four to two. That'll be a good one. Four to two. So, you know, obviously, can Rask stay hot? He was like average 22 shots on goal, 20 saves last game. I believe that was the number. Bobrovsky definitely outplayed him. He had 37 saves. Wasn't four to two the. No, no, no. Let's see two. Never mind. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I'd say four to two tonight if I'm feeling that. Maybe an empty netter at the end. Bobrovsky, he's good. Uh, he's been good uh, so far. So tonight's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a big game. If the Bruins can win tonight, uh, that definitely makes game three a must win for the Blue Jackets. Not saying they can't come back from 3-0, but very unlikely. Um, I'd say who's... If I I don't know why I came up with this question, but who's tonight bigger for the Blue Jackets or Bruins? I'd say the Blue Jackets. Uh, it's a little bigger for the Blue Jackets because I think the Bruins are much more experienced and they're honestly the better team. Uh, the Blue Jackets have been playing well lately, but and I said I'm a believer in that Blue Jackets team, but not as much as I am in this Bruins team. So I'd say it's a little more win not, uh, win for them, so that way they can tie it up going home. Because if you're down 2-0, even if you're going home, that's not a great spot to be in. So I'd say this game matters a little more for the Bruins. So, yeah, thank you, Billy, for the call. Guys, come on, call in on the Anchor Mobile app. Uh, you know, Billy doesn't have to be the only one. It's a really cool tool. Again, just download the Anchor Mobile app. And there's a few of you that can't. I understand. So if you guys are like, every time you say that, I feel bad. Um... I, I understand it's fine if you, you can't get it. Uh, it's completely fine. But if you can, come on.
please bang you. Just please do it. Uh, it's just a really cool tool. Just try it out. Uh, you don't have to do your real name. You know, whatever. Just keep it appropriate, and we'll we'll be all right. So now I'm going to move on to the um, Patriots draft picks. I'm going to go over all the draft picks. I kind of already went over Nikhil Harry, but we'll do that one a little bit again, uh, and then I'll give him my final grade uh, for the draft. So yeah, let's dive in. All right. So first, I'll start with. The Patriots' only first-round pick, it was the number 32 pick, the last pick in the first round, where we took wide receiver Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. Now, personally, for me, I was solid on this pick. I didn't love it, didn't hate it either. Uh, I like the size that he brings. Um, You know, he is a little... um, Slow to say that, um, definitely, which could hurt him. But at the same time, this guy is big. You know, he can catch uh, 50-50 balls. He's got a great, um, what do you want to call it? You know, great attitude, kind of thing, uh, which is great. You know, same with like Chase Winovich and whatnot. So overall, uh, I, this is really one. I'll try to. I might grade these picks actually as I go. I think I will, and I think I gave this pick an A minus or a B plus. Uh, so it was like somewhere around there. I think I, I give it, gave it like a B or a B plus actually. So I think I give this pick like a B plus. So it was solid. It was not bad, but it wasn't great either. I, I thought there were maybe a few players that you could have picked instead, but this was not a bad pick at all. Uh, he definitely brings that size you need, but I still think you need to try to get someone else. I was hoping they try to go for some other bigger receiver and take a chance on him. You know, kind of like that next Malcolm Mitchell, someone that you take a chance on. Um, you know, later in the draft that has that similar size, maybe just a little bit of a different skill set, just try to maybe see if he works out again, you know, uh, I just, I'm interested to see how he does, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure he'll pan out, but I don't think he'll bust either. I don't know. Uh, I definitely think the first year will tell us a lot though, uh, with Nikhil Harry. So then moving on, uh, the second round, number 45, we picked cornerback Joe Juan Williams out of Vanderbilt. It might've been our most surprising, um, selection where we traded up to get this guy. And, uh, I, some people are very high on him. Some people are very low. I'm more in the middle where I, I like the pick. I'd probably give it like a B. Um, some people hate it, but he's 6'4", 211 pounds, and he has rare size for the position, but he has some uh, some rare strength as well. Uh, he could be a great press corner for you, um, but the only problem is you had, not even counting him, five cornerbacks. Just cornerback isn't really a need, but with this pick, it told me a lot about the Patriots and some of their other picks, but this pick told me a lot that the Patriots are all in on playing a bigger, physical, more physical brand of football. Uh, To trade up and get this guy when you had five cornerbacks to get this big cornerback, the only problem with them is, yeah, the talent will probably be there. The Patriots are high on him. Obviously, the past three, you know, second-round DBs that they picked have all busted. But the only problem with a guy like this, all these big cornerbacks just end up getting hurt. That's all they do. Like they, they're like, oh, you know, he's pretty good, and then he gets hurt, and then hurt again, and hurt again, and his career's over. So that's the problem with these guys. Uh, I think he'll be solid. It's just, will he get enough playing time, and will injuries take over his career? Not that he's really out of history. It's just in the NFL. 
bigger cornerbacks have had a history to get uh, hurt. So, you know, can he get that playing time? Can he get those, uh, you know, start starting reps in practice uh, to develop? And can this guy just, you know, stay on the field and stay healthy? So I don't know. It can really go either way, kind of like Nikhil Harry, but I was all right with this. Then the third round, number 77 overall, like a lot of people, Chase Winovich, I love this pick. I am giving this pick probably an A+. Um, this is just a great pick. It's a safe pick. A lot of people uh, just thought, you know, this guy's in a first-round talent, but you also ought to consider this, is, this guy's a 22 or 23. Uh, he's not really an explosive defender either, um, but he's just a motor. He's just very productive, can make plays. Um He's just so good, and it, he brings great value. And the thing about the Patriots that makes this perfect as well, not only do you need that pass rusher, Trey Flowers, not saying you'll be Trey Flowers, but yeah, sure, people are like, oh, he's 22, but this Patriots seems win now. That's fine. And 22, should that bump his draft stock to the third round? No, I thought this guy was talent-wise, was not a first-round pick, but I thought talent-wise he was like a mid-second uh, considering everything. Uh, even early second, maybe. I really like Chase Winovich. I love this pick, uh, the kid out of Michigan. Then in the third round, number 101 overall, we took outside tackle Yanni Kajust out of West Virginia. Uh, again, just showing that they kind of want to play physical brain about uh, football, I guess. But I thought Kajust in my um, – Mock draft would get picked 33rd overall. So they're getting good value at that pick. Uh, this is a guy who I thought had second-round value. He's getting picked late third round, very late. This was, like, very end of the third round. Uh, it shows that, you know, they want to invest. I did think they had to get some sort of outside tackle because I said it before. You lost Trent Brown, so now you're very thin at outside tackle. You don't have much depth there. So now all of a sudden you have Isaiah Wynn. You're banking on a guy who has the size of a guard that's coming off a blown uh, ACL or something. He's coming off something. I forget what it was. But Isaiah Wynn is a first-round talent. We picked him in the first round, but he's coming off a bad injury and has the size of a guard. So if he doesn't work out, you need a guy like Yanni Kiyu juice, however you want to say it, uh, to kind of be there for some backup and give you some depth. I like the pick personally, and I'm going to go ahead and give it an A- minus because I think this guy was probably a mid to late second round talent, and you got him in the very late third round. Uh, and I understand uh, the pick. All right, then in the fourth round, we took number 118 overall outside lineman Hejalte Froholt. Fro- out of Arkansas. Um, uh, okay. <sighs> he is versatile. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I <laughs> know. <sighs> I didn't like the pick, okay? I'd give this pick a D+. Plus. I don't know why we're picking now another offensive lineman that no one knows. He's out of Denmark or something. Like, this guy just says, ah, I just don't like, no. Um, you can see my frustration here. Listen, I like the Yanni Kajus pick, but this was too much. Um, not to mention, we shouldn't have picked, I wanted a tight end here. I wanted a tight end, or I wanted a, um, I, wa- I wanted something else. Uh, sorry, actually, I, I skipped the pick. Uh, we'll get to that. At, we'll get to that after. But this isn't their only pick. But 
Uh, Hajate for the. Uh, why did we pick another offensive lineman? We just picked Yanni uh, Kajust. Um, so I just didn't understand this pick. I didn't think he's the right guy. Yeah. All right. Then we had Damian Harris uh, in the third round. Uh, good value. Uh, tough guy to pass on at that point, but I gave this pick a B minus. Um, you know, I didn't think it was horrible, but it wasn't great either. We have Sony Michelle, we have James White, we have Rex Burkhead. Now, why do we need Damian Harris as well? I feel like when you have three running backs sharing time on the field, why add a fourth? Uh, maybe they feel, you know, Rex Burkhead, he's getting kind of banged up. Maybe they feel, you know, we need a, you know, a fresh set of legs. Or whatnot. I'm not really sure. Uh, it just didn't really make sense. But personally, Harris is great value at that uh, third round. But I just didn't think it was, um, you know, why are we picking a running back, especially in that third round? Like, I didn't really think we'd go after a running back. I would have loved a tight end there. Uh, we didn't even pick a tight end, which was kind of like my biggest thing coming out of the draft. We picked too much offensive linemen and too many corners, especially. Uh, listen, I was okay with one corner, one offensive lineman, but we didn't even pick a tight end. So, you know, it's kind of sitting there like, great. Now, what do we do? And I want another receiver as well, big receiver. I had a lot of wants, yeah. Um, so... I mean, that pick was kind of in the middle. Uh, then in the fourth round, we, at number 133, we picked quarterback Jared Stidham out of Auburn. Now, I like Stidham. He he has the um, he has the mechanics, uh, great accuracy over uh, average mobility. If you know me, if I was an NFL GM, I'd pick a quarterback almost every time in the later round. Just take a chance on someone. Roll the dice with one of my picks. If I had enough picks, I'd probably just use one of them to roll a dice on some later round quarterback that I, I liked and saw something and just take a chance to bring them in and try to develop them. That's why I love someone who developed good quarterbacks because personally, though, Stidham, his draft stock plummeted after that uh, disappointing junior season. Uh and if he continued his trajectory from 2017, he might have been a first-round pick. So uh, he, he's also intelligent. Uh, you know, he is an above-arm uh, talent. Uh, but I looked at him, and I'm going to go ahead and give this pick a B. I didn't mind it, actually, um, because I feel like, you know what, he had a bad junior year, but you could easily turn that around. He's shown first-round talent. So, and this was the seventh quarterback off the board. So, he could, I'm not saying he will become Brady's successor. Brian Hoyer is obviously not the long-term plan. I think he will still be the backup. I would like Stidham to take a few uh, snaps. I hate when Belichick, you know, it's 33-8 to eight with five minutes left and Brady still in the game. I'd like Stidham to take over one of those drives. I think Stidham, I don't want to see much Brian Hoyer uh, in the preseason. Uh, I'd like picking these underrated quarterbacks in the draft. You know, these sixth best, seventh best, eighth, ninth best quarterback. Uh, I like, you know, Stidham definitely could be something, but I want that preseason to be, all right, Brady gets like a game or something or a half, you know, doesn't get to play much. And then Hoyer gets some time, but I want to see a lot of Jarrett Stidham. Maybe we pick someone else up off the streets, but I want to see a lot of Stidham this preseason and see what he can do. Yeah, moving on to the next pick was in the fifth round at number 159 overall. We picked defensive lineman Byron Coward out of Maryland. He used to be a five-star recruit, but kind of like Stidham, not as much though. 
uh, kind of different. Like, Cowher was never, like, a first-round trajectory, first-round pick. But he underachieved in college, was very inconsistent. But he's six foot three, uh, 34-inch arms. He has the physical tools to be an effective interior defender. Uh, he traded up from pick 162 to 159 to get him. So, obviously, Belichick has some interest in this guy. But I don't really. I give this pick a C. Uh, not a huge fan of this pick, honestly. Uh, I like the idea, getting that interior defensive lineman, which was all right. But I just don't think this was the guy again. Tight end, anyone? No. Uh, I don't. I, I didn't think it was that. That was the even problem. It was just I don't really like this guy. Uh, next, we have fifth round number one sixty three. We took punter Jake Bailey out of Stanford. This was a very odd pick. I don't even know where to go with this. Um, honestly, I just don't know what to grade this at one. You have what is what is he trying to do? I just this one I can't wrap my head around why why we do this. It wasn't even like it was bad either. It's just weird. Um, you know, trading. You know, we re-signed Ryan Allen to a one-year deal. Uh, but Jake Bailey apparently is as smart as it gets at punter, which obviously Bill Belichick's like, oh, yeah, I love that. So he trades up to get Jake Bailey, a punter, when we have Ryan Allen. So I don't know if you, he's doing this. You will bring Jake Bailey in uh, to put a little pressure on Ryan Allen to work harder as a punter, I guess, and then let Allen walk and let Jake Bailey be the next punter. Like, I don't know what to say about this pick. I'll go ahead and give it a C plus because this guy, I do think, if you're a punter getting picked in the fifth round and you're really smart, you'll work for Belichick and end up being a good punter, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that one. And then the last pick seventh round number 252 overall we pick cornerback ken webster out of ole miss uh he's very athletic uh fast uh he's got great hops um he's very inconsistent in coverage uh he's a solid tackle as well um but honestly i really like this pick i'm giving it a b plus it's hard to give this i mean kevin webster's one of those guys who barely squeaked in and i'm not even sure he'll make the roster but i look at this guy and sure he's not great in coverage but he's a solid tackler he has all these athletic tools i feel like he's a guy that actually could work out again you're adding another cornerback but if he's someone who like sticks on the practice squad or something hope he doesn't get picked up but i just like the sound of this guy it sounds like he has some potential um you know he's very athletic and can tackle obviously he needs to work on the coverage uh i mean that's very deep as well i'm not sure it'll work out just because how many corners but it might just make him work harder I, i'm not sure but i like ken webster uh i like that kind of value at very late in the draft so i'd give that like a b plus overall i'm giving the team an a minus almost a b plus but i'll give them an a minus i really liked where our heads were at, were at this draft they say my biggest problem was not picking a tight end like the fourth round um we, we're a little risky i mean it could pan out a little better than people think it could pan out a lot worse uh all of a sudden we could be sitting here and looking at Guys like, uh, let's say, Chase Winovich totally disappoints. And Joe, like, a lot of these guys maybe were a little too high on. I think Patriots fans are kind of overreacting to this draft a little, kind of like me. But this is one of our better drafts. We have not drafted well, so we'll see how it all pans out. But 
Um, yeah, I give them an A minus, close to a B plus. They did pretty well. They were one of the better drafting teams this year, but you never know. We have not drafted well in the past five years. I heard something that overall in the past five years we have drafted 31st, uh, second worst right ahead of the Bills. But last year, like, our rookie class was all banged up. So now this brings me to the point where now we kind of have two rookie classes competing as one because all of them were hurt last year. So we'll see how that pans out. But, yeah, now we're going to uh, go uh, talk about the Red Sox and go a little back in time uh, to their uh, last game and kind of go from there. So let's uh, pick things up on the Red Sox. Right, so the last time we talked about the Red Sox, we've been kind of busy. If you know me, I talk about the Red Sox, but sometimes we get very busy. And since the Red Sox basically every day, I don't talk about their every single game. So every a lot of the time, it ends up being every few episodes, we kind of recap a stretch of their games. So, you know, sometimes I talk about them day to day, just this one game. But sometimes I always focus on a stretch of time. So we have not talked about the Red Sox in a while. So for this, we're going to have to go back to Tuesday, April 23rd, and work our way back up to today's game. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go back in time a little bit to Tuesday, April 23rd. All right, so we are now back at Tuesday, April 23rd. And... Technically, this was not supposed to be the first game in the series, but the day before Monday, the Tigers-Red Sox game got postponed. So, we are now at Tuesday, April 23rd, and the Red Sox are riding high after coming off a sweep to the Rays, 3-0, where they swept the Rays last series. So, they're coming off high, and they came up against the Tigers team that was coming in at 11-10. and Um, And... They came into this game and lost. Remember, this was um, a Chris Sale start. I remember, actually, I think I actually talked about this game. But we'll recap it anyway now that I think about it. We did talk about this game. So I won't talk about it much. Just kind of hit on Chris Sale. Uh, I remember I said he's getting back on track a little. Uh, Five innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, ten strikeouts, which is good. So it wasn't a great start, but it wasn't horrible either. I'll take two earned runs. Obviously, there's keep starting to keep the innings low, he could have got a max of 15 outs. Two-thirds of those were strikeouts. I will definitely take that for Chris Sale. They're just trying to keep the innings low. He's starting to get it back on track with this start. Then the next day, the Tigers won again. But in that last game, Tuesday, April 23rd, the Tigers won 7-4. Then the next day, the Tigers won 4-2. And at this point, this was also on Tuesday, April 23rd, because we played a doubleheader that day due to the um, rain to uh, – the game got postponed. So at this point, it's tough because you kind of have to say they just had a tough day. It's tough because now all of a sudden we had to pitch so many guys out of our bullpen. Hector Velasquez started, which is never really a good thing, and we lost 4-2. to two. Overall, this was not great, but to consider we had two games in one day, you could have just caught them on kind of an off day. The bats weren't phenomenal to that day. But then you came back the next day, Wednesday, April 24th, and really got the bats going with 12 hits, scoring on 11 runs. And your bats were just on fire. And Eduardo Rodriguez came in with six innings, only allowing two hits, which accounted for one earned run, three walks, and seven strikeouts. As Eduardo Rodriguez has continued to prove to us that he may be your best pitcher so far. He's been very uh much better than I thought, let's just say this. This season, he's hit, pitched 26 innings, letting up 28 hits, 17 earned runs on 19 runs overall, 
17 of those were earned, as I just said, uh, and 10 walks, which accounted for a 5.88 ERA, which is not great, but considering the rest of your starting pitching, it's been pretty good, and it was just off to a little bit of a slow start, but lately he's picked things up. Uh, so at this point, nice win, but how do we keep, can we keep going? So on Thursday, April 25th, we picked up a 7-3 win against the Tigers where we had 10 hits. Now the bats are starting to roll again, and the pitching is getting back down to command. And this was at a point where, all right, well, we still want to see consistency, right? We hit the 11-15 mark, the Tigers hit the 12-12 mark to finish up the series, and you tied things up at 2-2. Not a horrible series. It could have gone a little better. Porcello came in and had a solid start, six innings pitched, six Six hits, three earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. Nothing phenomenal, but I'll definitely take it. And the bullpen came in to only let up a hit and a walk uh, in those three innings. So overall, you came in. The bats were good. Rick Porcello was solid, and your bullpen came in and just got the job done. Only one strikeout, but only two base runners, no runs. That was good. It was a well-played game of baseball. So then we uh, hop in to today, uh, which is Saturday. Uh, yesterday's Friday game got postponed against the Rays, um, so I don't know when they're going to make that up, honestly. Uh, but today, we had a game, and we lost 2-1. to one. The Rays are 17-9 and and got revenge against the Red Sox after getting swept 3-0 the last series just about a week ago. Uh, today, Charlie Morton pitched, six innings pitched, two hits, no earned runs, four walks, five strikeouts, and had a very good game. Morton just made his first All-Star game last year at the age of 34, which is ridiculous. It is known to be an inconsistent pitcher, but clearly today he had a good day. Neither team really got the bats going. It was a well-pitched game baseball. David Price came in, pitched six innings, let up four hits, two earned runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. Having a very good game. It was a well-pitched game. Just neither side could really get the bats going all in one inning. Uh, it was a little bit of a bummer today that we couldn't keep this going. The Red Sox have stayed inconsistent, but overall, my consensus is we're starting to get back on the right track. When I look at the standings, though, I'm a little concerned that we are sitting in fourth at 11-16, and 16, now 27 games in, only 5-5 five and five in our last 10, which... Considering our winning percentage is .407, in the last 10 we have a winning percentage of .500, I guess we have to take it. We usually win 4 of 10 games, now we're winning 5. So you see, we're slightly getting back on track. But the Orioles are sitting at 10 and 18 and are showing they're probably going to end up in last place. But the Rays are cooling down a little, The Yan- but the Yankees are really heating up and the Blue Jays have played well at 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. So... I think the Red Sox are getting back on track a little bit, but at the same time, things are not going to get easy. You have to finish out this series with the Rays, and then you have the Athletics who are sitting at 14 and 15, but I still view them as a playoff contending team. Then you have the White Sox, so, excuse me. Uh, You know, I think they are getting back on track a little. The starting pitching seems to be getting a little better but I honestly just don't see the consistency still, which is a scary thing. Um, <clears throat> if you're inconsistent, you might not make the playoffs. And if you do, all of a sudden, it looks like right now, if you continue this way and maybe squeak into the playoffs, you squeak into the playoffs, you're a wildcard team. If you're an inconsistent wildcard team, if you have a bad night on wildcard day, well, then 
you're done. That's it. You only get one chance. So, you know, I don't know what to think about this Red Sox team. We could be, I'm not saying we're cooked. Uh, you know, 11 and 16 is not ideal, but it's something that you can come back from. The Rays are playing good, but they're starting to cool down. Uh, the Yankees are starting to heat back up, but, you know, they have all those injuries. So when those guys come back, does that maybe hurt them because <clears throat> all the chemistry they're starting to build? And the Blue Jays are playing good lately, but can they really keep that up? So, you know, you're starting to get back on track a little. You're kind of taking this a game at a time, like more like a series at a time. It seems like you know, which is tough to say because we swept the Rays and then tied two to two to the Tigers, but we're starting to get a little better. You can see the growth. They're better from the beginning of the season, starting to become a little more focused and whatnot, which is great to see, but we still have not put it all together. Uh, There's still some games where the pitching's good, the batting's bad, like today, uh, but, you know, hopefully we can take the next two against the Rays, but then can we continue that success? I feel like the max we've got to is a three-game winning streak, and then we drop the next game or two, uh, which I don't like to see. If you, you know, if you win three games, lose a good game of baseball, and then come back and win the next day, then, yeah, you're fine. But that's not what we've done. Uh, so I just need to see that consistency. Uh, I still think they just need to put it in consistency all around. Uh, the bullpen hasn't been – everything's been inconsistent. The bullpen, the hitting, uh, the management, uh, and the starting pitching. Everything's been inconsistent this year. So we just need to see that consistency keep growing. Um, I hope – I said it. I think it was by the time – I'm the, the hope the, – the hope as a Red Sox fan. The ideal dream is that we're, by the time we hit 19 wins, we're at 19 losses. By the time we're at 19 losses, we have 19 wins. But it looks like by the time we have 23 losses, well, 23 wins at this point, or like 26 losses, we have 26 wins. But I know it's a long season. We can't panic yet. We're starting to get back on track. But seriously, all of a sudden, if we, you know, like, all right, we're getting back on track a little bit and then totally lose focus, which seems like we keep doing. David Price might be right. We might have to trade J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts. Just tear this whole thing apart, which is not what you want. So I'm interested to see how they can do. But, again, I think they're starting to improve a little. So that's my take on the Red Sox lately. Uh, keep talking about them. But, yeah, uh, calling on the Anchor Mobile app. Thank you for the call, Billy. Hopefully you call back. Charles, whatnot. Keep saying Charles. He's only called in once. Who knows if he still even listens. Um, but, yeah, thank you, Billy, for the call. Please, guys. Download the Anchor Mobile app. I understand if you can't get it, but download the Anchor Mobile app. Type in after the other sports talk and send in a voice message, please. If I like it, you you guys would like it. Uh, it. It's just a fun thing. I don't know why you guys don't do it. It's a bummer. Besides Billy, thank you so much, Billy. Hopefully you call back uh, for next episode. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I'll uh, see you next time. Thank you.